Hi, everybody. Welcome to North Coast Chronicles podcast, Tales from the Great Lakes. I'm your host, Helen Broll. Please join me every month on the American Shoreline Podcast Network, or ASPN, as we share the nature, history, folklore, and charm of the Great Lakes, America's fourth seacoast. Want to remind our listeners that we're open to suggestions for podcast topics and, of course, for sponsors. Just email me at northcoastchronicles at gmail.com. Be sure to check out the entire collection of podcasts on ASPN related to our oceans, coasts, and inland seas at coastalnewstoday.com. Today's podcast is called Hanging Ten in the Great Lakes. We have two super shredders from the region. Ella Scrocky is with Sleeping Bear Surf and Kayak in Empire, Michigan. Welcome, Ella. Thank you so much for having me. Also with us is Ben Sass, and he's with Third Coast Surf Shop in St. Joseph, Michigan. Welcome, Ben. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you both joining us at the start of your busy season. And with us, as always, is our trusty engineer and my talented co-producer, Tyler Buckingham. Hi, Tyler. Hey, Helen. How's it going? Good, good. Well, summer is truly upon us, and this episode celebrates the start of our second year with the North Coast Chronicles podcast. So just want to say thanks for making this pasture so fun, Tyler. You're really a great partner. Well, I really appreciate that, Helen, and right back at you. I've had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's a whole year um, when we just started talking about it, and here we are. But thank you. Um, now, Tyler, you're a Southern California dude, and I bet you've known a few surfers in your in your time. Indeed, I have. I I grew up with a lot of surfers, uh, and su- surfers have been a part of my life my whole life, actually. And I to the point where I, I would never call myself a surfer, though I have surfed a little bit. Uh, but man, I, I hung out with a lot of surfers uh, in high school growing up in Southern California. I bet that's stories over a beer someday, or some, or some island wine. Lots of stories. <laughs> I have no doubt. Um, now, Tyler, our last episode was about climate migration to the Great Lakes with Rachel Jacobson. She's a deputy director of the American Society of Adaptation Professionals. And you explained that it was a topic that interested you because you had a friend whose mother moved to Southern California to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan which felt like a bit of an escape. Um, so I got asked, did our migration episode kind of feed your need to learn about the potential of the Great Lakes or just climate uh, migration in general? I have discussed this episode with my friends so much uh, because it seems like so many of the people here in Austin, my, my local friend group, are kind of doing the same thing. You know, everyone's, uh, quite a few of my friends are, are remote working now and they're kind of looking at the country differently and looking at where they are and, and wanting to be closer to more natural spaces. So uh, when I mentioned the Great Lakes as a spot, it, people just kind of light up because it's, it's an often forgotten area. And uh, in fact, I was having a conversation last night with a, a friend of mine who is exploring Chicago uh, because of the weather. <laughs> it's not as hot. <laughs> so yeah, this is this was a great episode. And I think I think it's going to be quite resonant with a lot of people in my age group, at least. Well, and not to mention that there's water in the Great Lakes. I mean, and not a lot of wildfires and earthquakes and those kind of things. Um, was there anything in particular that surprised you about our conversation or when um, she was talking about the study of migration and adaptation, uh, or even as it relates to the Great Lakes? Yes. I think the biggest thing is that, you know, as a, as a non-Great Lake resident, and, and the Great Lakes are huge. It's a huge region of the country. And when she said, you know, we're talking about climate migration and people coming, but let's remember that the population in a lot of the major cities is declining still. 
and that there is a growing housing stock. And um, so that I, I had never really thought of that angle, and I found it very surprising. Yeah, I also appreciated the bit of conversation having to do with, you know, when you think uh, when cities are trying to get people to come in, they always want, you know, wealthy, educated people. But there's a whole uh, underrepresented community out there, people who also need jobs, also need a great place to live. And that was an interesting kind of dichotomy and conversation. I appreciated that. So it was interesting for me to learn that Duluth and Buffalo are advertising themselves as climate havens. And I noted that around 25,000 migrants fleeing Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria in 2017 settled in Orlando, Florida, but as many as 5,000 moved to that climate haven of Buffalo. I thought that was very interesting. However, in some respects, the projection is that the lakes are not going to be flooded with people really anytime soon, and that the current residents around the Great Lakes have their own climate change issues to deal with, including both high and low water levels, more and stronger storms and warming lake temperatures, and as we've learned from a number of guests, ongoing pollution issues. So folks, um, uh, I said at the end of the last episode that we'd be talking about uh, this month about best beaches in the Great Lakes, as well as surfing. However, when I started to look up surfing in the Great Lakes, I was inundated with a lot of great videos and newspaper articles. I learned that there's a Great Lakes Surfing Association, a Great Lakes Surfing Rescue Project, and a real following for surfing. So this episode will be about surfing. I chased down a contact at the Surfing Association who directed me to our two guests, Ellis Grocky and Ben Sass. And thank you both again for joining us. Now, I, I want to apologize up front for using the term shredders earlier. Um, I'm not a surfer, and I don't really have any business using any surf slang, you know, gnarly, overgunned, outside break, off the lip. So for the real surfers like you, or who might be listening, please don't accuse me of being a, a Barney, which is a person who acts like a surfer, but isn't, and really, frankly, even saying Barney is embarrassing. So in any case, you guys might have to explain a few terms for those who aren't as familiar. But um, I understand that while there have been folks surfing the lakes for decades, the popularity of surfing in the Great Lakes has really grown a lot over the last 15 years. So let me ask you first, Ella, and then Ben, to share if you grew up with surfing in the Great Lakes or are transplant transplants from ocean surfing. Ella? Well, that is a wonderful question. Um, so my parents are watermen through and through. And in 2004, um, or prior to 2004, they were really excited about picking up the sport of surfing. We had moved north from Ann Arbor, um, myself as a five-year-old. And um, they were looking for places to purchase surf craft and couldn't find any. And so they had this spark of an idea to uh, provide their own because they saw the incredible potential in the Great Lakes. Um, and there were very few, especially here in northern Michigan, that were um, taking advantage of the inconsistent, absolutely extraordinary waves that we have here in our freshwater playground. Um, so to sum that up, uh, we grew up entirely um, in the Great Lakes and formed that passion for surfing here. Um, you know, of course, there's outside influence from the West Coast and family in California, but um, the power of the Great Lakes is so underestimated and, um, and ex extremely bountiful. Uh, I'll use the term playground again, if you will. That, that's great. Um, I, I agree with you. I appreciate that because I'm from the Great Lakes, so I'm, 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 I'm way into it. But um, how about you, Ben? Uh, where'd you learn to surf? Great Lakes or are you a transplant? 
So yeah, I I learned to surf right here on the Great Lakes. Um, I think I I grew up a pretty typical Indiana lifestyle. Um, my family and I would go to Florida for spring break and uh, kind of fell in love with the water there, fell in love with surfing, um, came back home and realized, oh, I'm only 20 minutes from Indiana Dunes uh, National Lakeshore, which just recently became a national park, um, and just yeah, discovered it through seeing a few people out, but even then there weren't too many. Um, got connected with Third Coast Surf Shop and Ryan Gerard, and he really uh, steered me in the right direction and um, just got hooked and basically didn't stop. Um, got my first surfboard at 14 and uh, just kept running with it. Well, um, so I, I, guys don't know this, but I worked at the Port of Chicago for a time and I've been to the Indiana Dunes, but you know, if you had to ask me, gee, where do you surf in the Great Lakes? I would not think of Indiana. And I'm from Lake Erie. I wouldn't think of Lake Erie either. However, that's, you know, um, there's surfing everywhere. So um, you guys are from different parts of the lakes. Ella, can you explain where Empire, Michigan is? Yeah, so Empire, Michigan is in the pinky of the state. Um, we're in the heart of the Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore. And um, yeah, this place is a Empire is a town of 350 year-round residents. It's a teeny, teeny, tiny little village, uh, 30 minutes straight west of Traverse City. Um, but we always say it's very much quality over quantity here in Empire. We have incredible people and businesses and an absolutely unparalleled lakeshore here. Um, but, you know, it's not enormous. And that's what we love about it. It's quaint and peaceful and um, provides so much. So that's like the Leelanau County area, right? The Leelanau area, they call it? Correct. Yep. Right in the heart of Leelanau. Yeah, that's, it's beautiful. I, I've said it before on, on this show that uh, up there is beautiful. And, and Ben, where is St. Joseph, Michigan? Um, so St. Joseph, Michigan is um, just kind of over the Michigan state line, um, about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes from Chicago. Um, so it's kind of a, a sleepy beach town in the winter and the off season, but then in the summer, um, lots of visitors from Chicago, from the Midwest visiting, um, kind of experiencing the lakeshore and um, not quite as wild as what um, Ella gets up north, um, but we have some beautiful state parks close by, um, as well as some really nice public beaches. So it's a, it's a unique mix. Yeah, both on Lake Michigan, right? But in very different, I mean, in different environments, both beautiful in their own way. But I think it's important for people to know that because we're talking to folks who are not from the same part of the Great Lakes, um, but still get a lot of satisfaction. So um, obviously the Great Lakes are shark free, which is cool, um, but it doesn't make the lakes easy to surf, right? So basically what makes the Great Lakes different from salty coastline when it comes to surfing? Um, ben, you want to start first? Yeah, for sure. Um, so as far as the big difference is how the waves are generated. Um, in the ocean, you have these storms, you know, possibly hundreds of miles away, bringing in this nice, clean, long interval surf. Um, interval rever refers to the spacing between waves. Um, the, the thing about the Great Lakes is it's all wind-driven, storm-driven, so our interval is much closer um, sometimes as little as four, five, six seconds. Um, so the waves are a little weaker um, and a little sloppier. Um, that certainly doesn't mean you can't find some really great, big, clean surf, um, but it does make finding waves a little bit difficult. 
Um, and I guess I'd rephrase that and say that finding waves in the correct season around here is actually pretty easy. Um, it's finding good waves. That's really the challenge. Um, so that's where you have to get creative. And that's a lot of the fun of Great Lakes surfing is there's so much untapped potential, unique spots, whether it be man-made structures and jetties or just beautiful, you know, um, national parks or state parks that have these little coves that you can kind of sneak away in and surf all by yourself or with just a couple of friends. Yeah, thanks. That that short chop, I get that, um, which is basically, folks, you know, the distance between peaks, you know, it's it's uh, not a lot of time between waves. Um, but Ella, is that, do you find the same thing up north? Because I've been up there and it just seems like you, it's just um, different. I mean, it, it, it's, Obviously, like Michigan, you're dealing with the a, the a lake that's kind of um, um, vertical, right? So the winds are coming from a different direction or hit the the lake differently than, let's say, Superior. But where you are, is that similar? Same thing that you've got these short, choppy uh, waters. Very much so. And Ben gave a really great explanation, and I wanted to, you know, uh, support the commentary about um, the fun of Great Lake surfing is so very much the. Um, adventure of like tromping through knee deep snow and uh, forecasting days out and um, you know exploring the coastline because our our shoreline is ever changing as well and so every year we're finding um, new waves that didn't exist prior um, that's the the beauty and the curse of having a small body of water to play on um, but yeah so here in northern Michigan we're very fortunate to have. Um, pretty solid amount of fetch from the north and the south fetch meaning the distance that the wind travels across the water the longer the fetch the better it is to create waves so um on a north wind ben and the folks at third coast are absolutely frothing because they have a lot of fetch to create it um, a much more substantial wave for them um, whereas here in northern michigan um, waves are only traveling about 100 miles Possible wind is only traveling about a hundred miles, possibly to to get to our coastline. Um, so yeah, on a north and a south and a southwest northwest, um, we get incredible surf um, here around northern Michigan. A straight west is what kind of creates that big gnarly choppiness um, that we tend to um, you know choose other types of recreation. Um, but yeah, very much an adventure here on the Great Lakes. I'm sorry, Ella. I just want to know when you say gnarly, it sounds good and like cool. <laughs> if I say it, it sounds really dopey. I loved your disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I had to because you know, I mean, someone's going to be out there going like, oh yeah, rolling their eyes. Um, but but saltwater is different than freshwater, right? So um, in saltwater, you're more buoyant, and um, how does that impact your ability to surf? And do you have different equipment because of that? Yeah. So typically what we always recommend is the higher the volume, the more fun insurance. Um, so because we don't have salt water, you're right. It's um, freshwater is significantly less buoyant. Therefore, you know, having a little bit more volume in your board is helpful. Um, that also makes you work a little bit harder. I remember so many times traveling to uh, tropical locales and feeling like an absolute, like, uh, so strong. <laughs> and then coming back to the lakes and my arms felt like 400 pounds a piece. Um, so it definitely takes um, a little more attention to timing and, um, you know, your location on the wave, etc., to get you into a wave um, 
easier here on the Great Lakes than um, than it would be on the ocean. I explained that a little poorly, but yes, you have to pay attention to detail a little bit more here on the Great Lakes to um, help you get into waves, whereas you have the help of buoyancy in the ocean. Yeah. So in other words, you need a bigger, fatter board. Is that correct? Uh, to some extent. So especially for beginners, you know, having a larger platform for them to practice popping up and a little extra paddling power to get into waves is so helpful. Um, those who are much more advanced can definitely slim down their surf craft um, and, you know, interchange boards from the oceans to the lakes. Um, but it de- totally and entirely depends on the wave. Yeah. So do, do both of you teach surfing as well? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yep. Okay. So that means then, like you said, you're surfing all year round. The reason I say that is because if you go online, folks, and you start to look up surfing the Great Lakes, what you first get are like is winter surfing, um, which is just mind boggling, by the way. Um, but you can't teach people, I'm guessing you can't teach people to surf in winter waves, right? That that you've got to teach them on that that nice one foot wave or something. So how many, do you get a lot of like locals or regional folks or tourists from the Great Lakes coming to both of your shops to learn to surf? Yeah. So Ella did a great job describing kind of the surfboard size, the mindset behind it of what you want as a beginner. Um, foam is your friend. At least that's what I like to say. Um, so a lot of our beginner surfers come, they take a lesson, kids do our kids' beach camps, they get comfortable on the board, um, we we make sure they're safe in the water. And I think that's the main goal off the bat is to just feel comfortable in this new environment. Um, so many people aren't used to being in the water in those types of conditions, whether it's small waves or big waves. Um, and typically our best surf season for me down on the south end of the lake is going to be in the late summer through fall through winter. Um, so it's actually kind of funny, Ella brought up earlier, is we are actually kind of on opposing teams at this time of the year. Um, she's looking for those, you know, south winds, things like that, um, to bring waves up to her neck of the woods, where I'm looking for the exact opposite. I'm looking for that north wind somewhere in that range to bring waves down to me. Um, So yeah, as a beginner, it's really just about getting people comfortable on the board, safe in the water, and then teaching them some basic forecasting tools so that they can start to find waves on their own as as they get more comfortable. But yeah, winter is typically a tough time to learn. So we like to start in that summer, fall time period. So for both of you, the peak surfing weather in the Great Lakes is fall to spring. It seems kind of counterintuitive when you could be on the North Shore of Oahu in the winter. So, I mean, people are coming to you in the summertime to learn, um, and then you have to convince them to come back in the fall and the winter, right? And um, But winter surfing is not for everybody. So if, if you could talk a little bit about winter surfing. Now, as I said, like if you go online, you see like like folks that are trekking through the snow and obviously wearing wetsuits and but I just I mean the concept of putting my toe in Lake Superior in the winter is just like like beyond my comprehension and Tyler probably feel exactly the same and obviously you guys wear wetsuits but that's really cold so do both of you do that kind of winter surfing and and do you do it in your area or do you kind of travel around oh yeah 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, winter surfing is a whole other beast. And, you know, to add to what Ben was saying about lessons and, um, you know, encouraging people in the summer months, surfing in the winter time is taxing on the body. Um, it's, it brings a whole nother level to the adventure of Great Lakes surfing. And um, yeah, so we need to wear six millimeter neoprene, sometimes five for the hardy folk. I recently transitioned to a six mil because I'm getting wimpier with my old age. Um, but yeah, so winter surfing is um, definitely when it's much more, more consistent. So fall and winter. This winter, our neck of the woods actually got iced out for most of the season. I think it was pretty similar in St. Joe area. Um, so that August through December is really the, the time of year that we thrive here in Northern Michigan. Um, and, but that doesn't mean that there's not surf in the summertime. So those who come to us for surf lessons, we encourage them to surf through the month of September, or October. Um, they can kind of extend the life of their four, three, which is kind of that, um, all versatile uh, wetsuit that can get you through the summer and fall and late spring. Um, and although inconsistent in the summer months, we can still get waves, you know, one to two days a week to every two weeks. Um, that might be anything from knee high to shoulder high. Um, but there is still a surf year round to be had, particularly in, in the northern parts of the lake where we're getting that south wind, south warm wind. Yeah. So Ben, how about you? Are you a winter surf guy? I am. I, uh, you know, if it's not iced up, I'm, I'm pretty much out there for the most part. Um, I think it's, it's one of those things you work up to. I certainly wasn't winter surfing my first three, four, probably years of surfing. Um, so you do build up to it over time. And I mean, I'm still pretty young, only 27, but I even remember 10 years ago, wetsuit technology being much different um, to where that has progressed to such a level to where I think people would be very surprised how warm you can stay, how long you can stay out. Um, not to discount it, it certainly is very cold. Um, it, it takes some time to work up to that. It takes a certain mindset to get in the water. Um, but again, wetsuits have come a long way. So I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. But now you're wearing booties, right? And mittens and something on your head, um, right? And um, I don't wear a lot of neoprene, but um, six millimeter suit sounds pretty thick. And how is your movement then? I mean, if you're walking through, trekking through snow um, and wind, and you're trying to get down to the surfing areas in the winter that are accessible, you know, as compared to, I mean, I don't know how many that you can like go down to a beach and walk out in as compared to climb down rocks and stuff to get out. But I mean, it just really, I guess it's just something you manage, but, but help me out here. Understand because, you know, you're covered from head to toe, but your face is open. So give me a sense of like how that works for you guys. And maybe Ben, you start in and then Ella, like you're, you're getting, you're in the freezing cold below zero wind and weather, right, outside, then you're getting dressed. And I'm assuming you get dressed there rather than because you're so bogged down with stuff. I don't know if you get dressed at home and then drive in the car somewhere and then get your boards down and all of that. And then you got to go in and, and folks, your face is still open. So help me understand how you don't get hypothermia and how you can actually do it. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think every surfer um, in the Great Lakes region has their own tips and tricks. Um, so a lot of people will do things like have, you know, a hot jug of water that they pour in their booties or gloves before they put them on. That'll keep you warmer a little bit longer. Um, some people like to smear, you know, Vaseline on their face since that is the only exposed part. It helps, you know, keep the water off your face, some of that wind off your face. Um, and then as far as like equipment, that's why you start to see people in big vans, big um, different gear setups, because they are able to change inside in the warmth and then hop out of the car, grab their board, get a hour, two hour, three hour session in, come in, regroup, you know, crank the heat. Um, but yeah, I've, I've ridden home plenty of times. Um, you know, with icicles dangling from my wetsuit and uh, just, you know, hoping that heater kicks on a little quicker. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. How about you, Ella? That was spot on, Ben. <laughs> I'm a big advocate for Vaseline on the face and water down the booties. Um, yeah, I definitely, I feel very fortunate that I have, um, you know, a vanorama of my own that I can do just that. you go in the car, you blast the heat, you try to get some circulation back in your fingers and your toes, and you go back out for some more. Um, and yeah, the, the Great Lakes are a, a bountiful place in the wintertime, and we have a much smaller population uh, traveling around. And so it makes um, traveling for surf that much more fun. So yes, the van definitely comes in handy um, for a, a little surf safari. Um, but yeah, other things that are extremely important in the wintertime, aside from boots, mitts, full hood, are um, earplugs. So people are um, often unaware that your ears are heavily impacted by cold wind and cold water. And there's something called surfier that I am personally discovering right now um, because I neglected my ears for so long um, that... Uh, your bone can grow together inside your ear canal if it gets uh, exposed to cold. So that's something that we've really um, been encouraging people to wear is um, earplugs to protect their ear canal in cold water. So that's a number one vital necessity in the wintertime for sure. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so folks got to think about that. But um, um, I read that the best winter surfing is around Duluth, Minnesota. Um, have you guys done the round there? But more importantly, like if you could choose one place in the Great Lakes that you think might be the, the most um, dependable um, and maybe some of the best waves in the winter, where would it be? Ella? Oh, man. Now, this is a fun subject because I am a, a graduate of Northern Michigan University. And so I spent four years in Marquette. And Lake Superior is very much another beast in the wintertime. Um, so being in Marquette and having the ability to explore that incredible rocky coastline in the wintertime was um, my all-time favorite surf season. Um, I obviously feel so fortunate here in, in northern lower Michigan um, because of the, the access to waves here. But um, yeah, Lake Superior is an, a blast in the wintertime. I have not had the opportunity to uh, travel over to Duluth, but have been able to scour the Keweenaw Peninsula and around Marquette and um, the east side of the lake. Um, so yeah, bigger, spookier, more ominous playground up there. 
even without sharks. Yeah. How about you, Ben? Where could you go if you had wave one be anywhere all the time in the winter? I think I would uh, second what Ella was saying. Lake Superior um, from a, you know, size, untapped coastline and potential, as well as specific spots that are known to be really good and do really well. Um, that would be somewhere that I could see myself uh, spending quite a bit of time. But to be honest with you, I feel um, very grateful for where I'm at now, just because, you know, growing up in Indiana, not thinking I'd really ever become a surfer, and then finding all of this potential 20 minutes from my doorstep was uh, kind of huge for me. So um, yeah, it's the thing about the Great Lakes is there's just a lot of traveling, a lot of finding good waves. Um, and that's what makes it fun. The conditions are constantly changing. So it's kind of hard to pinpoint where to be. Um, so you just kind of got to load up the car and get out there. Yeah, your point about geography is a good one. So, yeah, folks, it's not like, um, hey, let's let's zip over to some place today because every ride is going to be a long ride. Great Lakes and geography is awfully big. And um, <clears throat> unless you're staying in one spot, it's a commitment. But um, it's interesting that you would say that um, because of the lakes and the way that they're um, situated geographically, some are vertical, some are horizontal, um, and the way the predominant winds are, yeah, it could be different every day. Um, uh, I want to ask um, uh, about um, climate change. So I'm from Lake Erie, and we are seeing more what we call nor'easters coming in. Um, and Ella's point about changing uh, coastline is a really interesting one because I could see where our coastline changes constantly because of um, storms and more frequent storms. And we've had, had high water and we've had low water. Um, but um, so how are you seeing um impacted by climate change? Are you seeing the warming waters let you surf differently in the fall? Or are you seeing coastlines changing and you have to kind of refigure where you're going to surf? Um, I'm interested to kind of get your impression about that, especially as it relates to um, you being on the water. Yeah, so I might be a little young to give the full, you know, long form gamut of how things have changed, but I definitely see a longer surfing season um, the last couple of years. The lake, when it does freeze, doesn't seem to freeze quite as much, um, at least for me down here on the south end. Um, but yeah, there's, you know, rising and falling water levels. We have constant coastline erosion down here. So there's a lot of different ways to tackle that, um, to which I am not confident to speak on, um, but it is an ongoing battle. And uh, even my local, I live in New Buffalo, Michigan, which is about 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes south of St. Joe. And the um, harbor itself is actually having a lot of issues with water level changes um, and, you know, some of that flooding and then drying out at other periods of time. So it is an ongoing battle. Um, it does for us kind of change up some of the sandbars as far as you know, what's surfable, how the waves are responding to, to that. So it, it can be fun in that aspect. Um, but I certainly am anxious to see what the future holds um, and what can be done about that. Yeah, thanks. Ella, I always think of where you are up north as a bit more pristine. Um, but 
so what? But what are you seeing, and, and what are you experience? And I apologize, you guys. I assume everybody's had as many decades of experience as me on climate change. But uh, yeah, to the what extent are you just at least seeing um, over the recent years? Thank you so much for asking this question, Helen. It's an important topic, um, especially the Great Lakes being a, a you know climate hub. Um, so the biggest thing, you know, from my perspective in, cl- in studying climate change and just living, breathing this lakeshore is uh, the more extreme fluctuations that we're having. So, um, you know, what Ben was describing in regards to coastline erosion and fluctuating water levels. Typically, the water levels here on the Great Lakes fluctuate in a 30-year span. So, you know, they'll reach a certain a high and then a low within 30 years. Um, those uh, that time frame is shrinking. So in the last couple of years, we had record highs and record lows, um, which was absolutely devastating to coastline communities. Um, the other thing is we're having much more extreme storms, um, particularly, you know, very dry spells followed by heavy rainfall that's impacting um water runoff. So here in the village of Empire, which is situated very close to uh, the lakeshore, um, we have, you know, more significant runoff from um, our septic, our very outdated septic systems. And, um, you know, farms are having more extreme runoff. So there's a lot more contaminants along our lakeshore than there were. the other thing that is important to note are algal blooms. Um, for the first time ever, we had algal blooms um, here within the National Lakeshore in North Bar Lake um, in surrounding small inland lakes due to the high water temperature and the high air temperatures as well. So um, a lot of extremes happening right now. And um, it's a, a scary place to be because our Great Lakes are such a life source for not only Michiganders and Midwesterners, but, um, you know, nationwide um, and it's such an Im- incredible valuable um, yeah <laughs> incredible and valuable uh, part of our our global ecosystem no oh, I hear you I, I'm so sad to hear that you had algal blooms up north I'm so sad because in Lake Erie they become so much more regular and it's devastating to me that I mean you know it was a rarity to get algal bloom but it's like year after year you start to see them and they cover huge areas um I, I'm just so sad to hear that up there because um my sister has a place up up there um and uh and I just when I'm there I just look over the lake and say my god this is beautiful and I'm envious. And so um, to think that you're starting to experience some of the stuff we do down south in Lake Erie, boy, it makes me sad. Also, we um, had a great conversation with a, a guy out of um, Toronto area or the, the whole eastern end of uh, Lake Ontario. And he was saying that one of the issues they still have is storm water overflows. They've got a lot of pollution still coming from point source pollution. Um, and I was blown away by that. You know, we think that we've managed all of our, our um, you know, our, our um, storm water overflows and things like that. And like you said, when the water gets really high and you get a lot of rain, it really does a number on septics. Um, and um, so, golly, um, thanks for bringing that up, but it makes me so sad. We clearly have to continue doing more. And, and, and I'm hearing, Ella, that you're probably, a, you and your family and um, are big advocates and, um, and trying to preserve what you have. 
Yes, that's a definitely a number one pillar of what we do is, you know, turning, uh, you know, introducing people to uh, a passion or a love for the lake in hopes of creating some imperfect advocates to help in Great Lakes protections and advocacy. Yeah, thanks. Hey, so let me ask, um, do you guys run into a lot of surfers from other parts of the country who just want to have that Great Lakes experience? And are you finding that they're you know, primarily from the West Coast or someplace else? Um, down in, in uh, St. Joseph, do you have folks to stop in or do they call you up ahead of time and ask for advice? Do you get a lot of folks? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, especially through um, you know, the last couple of years, um, you know, things changed pretty dramatically and there were people moving to the Midwest as well. And a lot of transplants saying, I love surfing on the West Coast um, or the East Coast or Florida. And I was so bummed when I moved to Chicago and couldn't surf anymore. Um, and then they stumble across Great Lakes surfing, whether it be through YouTube or social media or whatever it might be, um, and are thrilled to, to come and you know, see a surf shop, feel like they're back in their element, get their feet wet, um, and just experience it. Experience it. So um, we're we're super grateful to have people like that um, that come in excited um, to get in the water and get back in their element. Um, but we do have plenty of people who also show up, and um, I still to this day have plenty of people come into the shop or um, even talk to us online and say, "You can't surf on a lake," and you know, it's not what you guys aren't doing isn't real surfing. And um, so there's always that aspect too, which is always entertaining. Um, but at the end of the day, I think uh, Ella did a great job describing it's really for me, just about getting people in the water, um, getting them in this new element, especially when it's off a of season. So not in the summer, if we get people in the water in the fall, winter, spring, experiencing something different, um, they're just going to fall in love with the lake and, yeah, hopefully advocate for it more um, and just have a newfound respect for the area. Yeah. How, um, how about you, Ella? You're way up north. Do you get a lot of folks, too, coming up and um, hearing about it? And do they use you as a, as a resource to find out the best spots? Yeah, very much so. We have, um, you know, being situated in the National Lakeshore, we have visitors from all over the world. Um, but Great Lakes surfing has really become um, kind of a bucket list item, if you will. Um, so, you know, we've been seeing uh, many more professional surfers take interest in the Great Lakes. Um, and, you know, those who have traveled to this area for, um, you know, their lifetime that are starting to bring their surfboards with them because they see the potential. Um, but it is funny on the contrary, you know, supporting what Penn said, I swear we could pay our rent if we collected a quarter for every single person that comes in through the summer months and says, what are you doing? You're crazy. You can't surf here. <laughs> I'm like, go down on the beach, dude. There's like people playing right now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's funny how, you know, that's definitely becoming a little less um, frequent than it was back in 2004, for instance. However, um, you know, there's still people that are very much uh, skeptics of, of the power of our and potential of our lakes. And on the contrary, many that are, um, you know, coming here instead of taking their trip to Fiji. Yeah. 
Yeah, I got it. And it's interesting, though, because um, where I'm from in Ohio on the islands, there was a quote-unquote surf shop. But surf shop meant that's where bathing suits and towels were sold, right? And cute bathing suits and stuff like that. It was not really. It was just the name. It sounded cool. Um, but And the shop's not around anymore. But you know, I wonder if people would show up and say, I came here, but you got no surfboards, you know? Of course, they had no surfboards. It wasn't really a surf shop. It was a place to buy cute bathing suits. So, but that's changed. And I, and um, the fact that you can surf in Lake Erie, have you guys done that? I heard there was like a point break. I'm thinking it was on the eastern end of Lake Erie um, that just kind of blew me away. Um, have any of you tried Lake Erie? Not yet. I have not surfed. No, it's on my list. <laughs> it is. Well, thank you for saying that. If it wasn't, it is now. What about Lake Ontario? Because there's a lot of stuff. Um, when I'm looking, so let me just mention, folks, that I've I'm on a site called SurferToday.com, and they had a really good article about what you need to know about the Great Lakes, and they got a really great map of best surf spots in the Great Lakes. And I'll put this on the Facebook page for North Coast Chronicles, uh, that people can see it and. Um, the amount of surf spots um, in Lake Ontario kind of blows me away. Um, how, how have you guys checked out Lake Huron or, or Lake Ontario? I've had the opportunity to play on Michigan, Huron, and Superior, but have yet to play on Ontario and Erie. But yes, as Ben said, very much on the list. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. There's just um, there's so much coastline to the Great Lakes that um, yeah, you could spend a, a lot of time wandering and, and finding new spots. So if you, um, is it just pretty straightforward if uh, our listeners say, geez, I've never surfed before, but um, surfing in a great lake to learn sounds a little less intimidating. Um, do you really just say, hey, come to a, a surf shop? Uh, you know, are there other places where you can find somebody to teach you that's not associated with a surf shopper? What would you say to folks? And <clears throat> would you really kind of say, folks, I really think you should not go to Lake Superior first um, to learn? Um, what kind of advice would you give folks, Ella? I think connecting with your local surf shop is the best place to start. Or, you know, in my personal experience going up to Marquette, there wasn't a surf shop up there, isn't a surf shop up there. And so, you know, going into local outfitters and saying, hey, do you guys know anybody that surfs and trying to connect with the community that way? That's a great place to start. Um, you know, it's always more fun sharing the water with someone else and um, great to you know, piggyback off of the knowledge that um, of the surfers that have been there before you. Um, but yeah, surf shops are a number one resource. And, you know, again, quantity or sorry, quality over quantity. We have uh, some really quality surf shops here in the state of Michigan, but very few, um, you know, Third Coast and, and Sleeping Bear Surf being, I, I would imagine, the most prominent. Um, and so, uh, yeah, definitely. That's number one place to start. And I also, you know, don't want uh, people to be afraid to uh, kind of let their kook out. You know, I something I failed to mention in, in the beginning of this conversation was the fact that I learned to surf on a windsurfing board. You know, if someone has a paddleboard or a windsurfing board um, in their garage, that is a wave catching machine, you know, and while uh, they might not be uh surfing the most beautiful, big, clean waves in the world, you know, anywhere along the shoreline that has a breaking wave um, is a, a great place to start. And, um, but one thing to note, um, so, you know, we've said a few times in this conversation that, you know, there's no sharks here on the Great Lakes, which is true. And we're grateful for that, but there are a lot of hazards. Um, so, 
another reason to connect with the shop and community is in is expanding your knowledge for those hazards. We have rip currents and cold water and being on a small lakeshore um, or on a small body of water, we have storm systems that can come through very quick. So there are still um, you know, many hazards to surfing the Great Lakes that you have to be wary of, hidden things beneath the surface, that type of thing. Um, so yeah, connecting with people that live and breathe Great Lakes surfing before you dive in is the best place to start. A great point about the hazards. I mean, you know, waves break over rocks, they break over sandbars, they break over corals, you know, ancient coral systems. Um, and that storm's coming up fast is a really great point. Um, and knowing where and how. So appreciate that. Ben, what would you advise? Um, I think Ella hit the nail on the head. Um, pretty much, you know, look at your local shop if it's available to you. Um, we're always here to help, whether it's you know, knowledge and expertise, getting you gear, getting you comfortable in the water. Um, there are a lot of great shops now. There aren't a ton, um, but there are enough to support, you know, within a certain radius. Um, and I would say reach out on social media. Um, there's, I've met so many really just incredibly friendly lake surfers um, that are going to be there to help you out, give you a few tips. Um, so yeah, don't be shy. The community itself, I think is very welcoming. I think the most important thing is just to, you know, be safe, um, whether that comes back to getting some help from your local shop with a lesson, a rental, um, an idea of how the conditions change. It is unfortunate that Lake Michigan, at least for the past couple of years, um, and probably longer than that is kind of, unfortunately, the deadliest of the Great Lakes. Um, and I think a big part of that is because it is some of the most inhabited, but it also gets some of the most unique conditions for waves, especially in late summer. Um, there's a lot of tourists, especially on the south end of the lake, um, that come excited to see the lake and, you know, are blown away that there's waves for the first time on a lake and they're confused but excited. So they go for a swim and the rip currents can be um, pretty intense. So I think that's, you know, the biggest thing is getting comfortable um, on a board, feeling safe. Um, and then there are, you know, outfits like Great Lakes Surf Rescue that are doing great classes on how to be safe in the water, how to help other people while you're out. Um, so yeah, just get out there and uh, reach out, whether it be social media or your local shop. And um, we always want to get more people in the water. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for mentioning the Great Lakes Surf Rescue Project. Um, I had a chance to talk to some folks with that. And uh, I really have to admire um, the, the effort like outside of out of outside of like lifeguard stations or outside. And by the way, there's a real shortage of lifeguards um, around the Great Lakes as there is almost everywhere. So um, the more you know before you go will save your life. Um, and the uh, the um, Great Lakes Surfing Rescue, it's sad, but they do keep a record of deaths um, um, from the water, you know, drownings, drownings. And, and um, it's sad to say that a lot of them could be prevented. So check out that, you know, the, the resources they have and also local resources regarding safety in the water. You can't say it enough. It's super important. Hey, so guys, um, you know, 
um, we're kind of to the end of the show, and I just so much to talk about because I I just feel like you got to experience what you've experienced, and and so um, it, you're just adding such a wonderful dimension to our conversations about the Great Lakes. But um, let me start with Ben, and then go to Ella. Is there anything that um, else that you'd like to impart to folks um, about surfing in the Great Lakes, or just any of the things we talked about? Yeah, I would say just you know go for it. It's it's a different experience. Um, it's it's really unique. The water, the lakes are a living thing. Um, you never know what the conditions are going to be. You never know who you're going to meet through your travels. Um, and I would say even if you don't have a direct interest in surfing, um, surf shops and the surfing community as a whole is still a great place to reach out and ask them, how do I get in the water more? Um, where do I get in the water that's unique or different? Um, I think Great Lakes surfing has a really unique perspective on the Midwest in general um, compared to most people. So yeah, reach out, get in the water, um, get a wetsuit, extend your swimming season if that's all it is, um, and just experience the Midwest in a different way. Thank you. Ella, how about you? Spot on, Ben. Well said. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one thing to mention about the Great Lakes surf community is that I feel like every time there's waves, there are smiles and hoots and hollers galore um, because we have, you know, mediocrely inconsistent surf, especially this time of year. I always see just personalities absolutely thrive um, because, uh, you know, our, our days are limited and every single day on the water is extraordinary. And, you know, no matter if you're uh, a seasoned surfer or um, beginning, there's so much joy to be found in the water and within this community. And um, I know I personally am so grateful to be a part of this and to have grown up in this community um, that is so much a part of my family. So um, yeah, please don't be afraid to reach out, you know, if you're on the south or north end of the lake, um, you know, Third Coast is, is such an incredible resource as well as, you know, we strive to be. And therefore, um, you know, those who are interested in getting in the water, whether that be, like Ben said, swimming, you know, paddling, surfing, whatever it may be to expand your connection with the lake. Um, don't hesitate to reach out in whatever manner is possible for you. And um, yeah come dive in and see the magic of Lake Michigan. Well, thanks. And thanks for you know, imparting so much joy. I think it's a, a great way to express what you guys do um, and the wonderfulness of the Great Lakes. And and by the way, folks, um, uh, 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 Ben and Ella have not met in person, but they knew of each other because I think it's a pretty small community uh, for folks that are regular surfers in the Great Lakes, but also um, I think one that welcomes many more to join them. Um, so um, Ella Scrocky, Sleeping Bears Surf and Kayak, and Ben Sass with Third Coast Surf Shop. And by the way, Ben, we have to have a conversation a whole nother time on whether the Great Lakes is the third coast or the fourth coast. I count at least four coasts. And by the way, Alaska calls itself the fourth coast too, so it's very confusing. But I'm sticking with fourth coast. Um, but I, I'm so grateful that you joined us today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. On our Facebook page for North Coast Chronicles, we'll post the map of surf spots and um, uh, a link to find out more about it. So thank you. This wraps up another episode of North Coast Chronicles Tales from the Great Lakes. Send me your comments and ideas for future podcasts 
or to be a sponsor to northcoastchronicles at gmail.com. The opinions expressed on North Coast Chronicles does not necessarily represent the opinion of the U.S. Department of Transportation. Join us next time on North Coast Chronicles as we chart the Great Lakes with Commander Matthew Jaskowski. He is the commanding officer of the NOAA survey ship Thomas Jefferson, which just happens to be in Lake Erie this summer. Until then, be good to one another.